This summer on Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, we're going to talk about five threats to harmony in your family. So we invite you to join us for this series on growing through challenges with unresolved grief, boundaries, people-pleasing, triangulation, and dysfunctional roles. We'll be bringing you into our Soul Shepherding Counseling Office to learn from people who have made positive changes in their families. Our prayer is to help you experience greater emotional and spiritual health in your family and all of your relationships. Welcome to Soul Talks. Bill and I are so grateful to have you in our community and listening in with us. Wish you could have been with us this weekend. Uh, We just got back from four days in Mexico. Ministering to pastor couples there, bivocational pastors who serve the Lord in northern Mexico area and some uh, very poor communities, and they work in factories and uh, restaurants and construction, various jobs during the week, just earning a couple dollars an hour. And then they pastor their communities in the evenings and the weekends and just such great people. And and we get to go down and and serve them and provide them with counseling and uh, lead them in retreats and give them spiritual enrichment. I'm so grateful that God has blessed us with the opportunity of this ongoing relationship with them. Of, you know, we've been going now for ten years, several times a year, mm-hmm. getting to be with them, and I'm really thankful for that because there's there's a sadness when you connect with people and you love people and then you have to leave, and it helps so much to know we're going to see them again, and just to you know, you just come to really love deeply and engage deeply with these people. I remember the first retreat we ever led for them. Uh, precious pastor's wife just coming up with tears, just so grateful, took the bracelet off her arms and gave it to me, wanted me to have mm-hmm. it. And I've, you know, had that and use that just every time I see it to pray for them, um, for all the pastor's wives and pastors there in Mexico that live literally dirt poor. And yet what they lack materially, they have such an abundance mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. and in their, their hearts and their relationships with each other. We are always yes. enriched in our yeah. time with them. Yeah. And you know, there, because there's not much beauty in the environment there. They're the beauty. The mm. beauty of Christ shines in them and their souls. And it's it really is beautiful. And It's been so fun to see them blossoming over the years. Mm. You know, the first years when we went, the, the women would be really quiet and just defer to the, the men. And we've modeled vulnerability mm-hmm. and emotionally healthy relationships and spirituality. And they have really opened up. And now yes. the women are really talkative and because they, they hear they hear you share and say, I thought I was the only one who yeah. felt that way about my kids or yeah. about being a pastor's wife. And, and and they feel safe to share and to receive care and to learn new ways of praying and, and really connecting deeply with their, their husbands and with the community. And it's so beautiful the way God's love just manifests and works, you know, in different cultures. You know, we're the same body, and it's so evident to me how Christ does that. It was also encouraging 50 of us together all day on Saturday yeah, after spending time in God's Word and meditation and prayer. And um, as they were leaving, they just hugged me and just held on to me, you know, just so long. Mm-hmm. And just were so excited to tell me how they are now giving what we have given them in their church and how they're seeing so much fruit from it. And um, the... The man, he was, Lewis, he was so excited to tell me, because of Bill, I've, now I, I don't work every day anymore. Now I take Saturdays totally off as a Sabbath day, and it's made such a difference. And thank you. And his wife was so thankful, too. And, and then he said, and we're, we're using, you know, the things from your Spanish website 
Pastor Ando Tuama. Um, And we're using that with our church and it's bringing healing to the marriages and to people's hearts. And then she got all excited and said, yes, three women that weren't able to have a child now are pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just so, so fun to see them give witness to how God is furthering the work um, of his work there, his kingdom. And he's using, using just the little seed that we got to plant and, so I just want our Soul Talks listeners to know, because some of you donate to the Ministry of Soul Shepherding, and that money that you donate goes to us being able to go down there. We don't charge these pastors anything. In fact, we pay to rent you know, a place to meet with them, and we pay the translator, and you know, we pay for them to have a place to stay, to be able to come, because they all travel to, to be with us, because they're in a network of a churches down there in Mexico. But for them to all come together and get to be with each other and, and with us and have some time to just learn and receive ministry, that costs them a lot. And so yeah. they, they need us to pay for all the expenses, the food and everything. So thank you for those of you that uh, donate to Soul Shepherding. You are a part of this blessing. They've been uh, family to us, these pastors in Mexico. And many of you listening have become family to us. We are so thankful to follow Jesus with you. Family is our topic. And uh, we're doing a series. Today is Family, Stop Pretending to be Happy. Grief Leads to Joy. I think a lot of us in our families uh, are under this uh, pressure or this image that we just ought to be happy all the time. But there's a lot of things about life and, and family life in particular that aren't happy. No, that's you know, right. We're going to be taking, a lot of us, we're taking vacations with family. Um, maybe you have children in the home, you're taking a family vacation, or maybe getting together with uh, adult children for some sort of a reunion, or siblings and uh, your own parents. And we, we, these gatherings are very important to us, they're very meaningful, and we want them to be happy, but sometimes they're stressful and mm-hmm. painful, and mm-hmm. we might feel pressure to pretend. Yes. Yeah. And it's draining. And or sometimes we avoid because of that. And sometimes we can get depressed because it's so far from the ideal of what we, you know, we assume others have when we look at their families or from our expectations and, and heart longings. So in particular, we want to share with you listeners the story of a ministry couple we helped, Aaron and Maggie. And as always, we, you know, change the names and any identifying details so that you wouldn't know these people. We always want to protect people's confidentiality, yeah. of course, is very important to us in soul shepherding. Uh, so Aaron was uh, uncharacteristically depressed, uh, particularly about his ministry as a pastor. And uh, so I was asking him, you know, what was what was going on? And he told us how four of the founding families and leaders in the church had left to start going to another church that was closer to uh, their neighborhood. Uh, it was a similar church, but a different church. Mm-hmm. And Aaron said to us, well, you know, this is good, and I'm happy for them to support their new church. And, you know, he tried to smile, but his his spirit was pretty sunken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hear this a lot from pastors. You know, and it just, for all of us, it hurts when you invest in somebody, you care for somebody, you come to love them, you work with them, alongside of them, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in the church or, you know, other things. And then it hurts to be left. As parents, we feel this when our kids uh, grow up, uh, mm-hmm. they go off to college or yeah. after college, they move out on their own. And we, we know it's good, but it hurts. Yeah, we don't hear from them as much. Yeah. And 
they start their own life and sometimes they make some different choices and we feel even alienated or there's conflict that might emerge and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it can be really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Can. And you know, another thing we commonly find with this is oftentimes the man is trying to be strong and kind of deny the emotion, mm-hmm. but the woman's really feeling it and she's really in touch with my husband's not the same. And she's maybe sometimes more in touch with him being depressed than he is. Yeah. And that was the, Maggie was mm-hmm. quite concerned mm-hmm. for Aaron and trying to yeah. Uh, get him to share with us and yeah. really hopeful that he would yeah. get help. And yeah. uh, she wasn't, uh, her feelings were very much tied into his. Yes. Yeah. We see that a lot in couples we work with. So uh, we knew that there was more to the story here. So we started doing some uh, spiritual psychology, archaeology, <laughs> getting underneath the the presentation into some of the emotions and some of the details here. So we're asking him uh, some questions about these these families and learned about how, you know, really they'd helped him. He's a church planner, uh, this couple, and they had lost these pillars in their church. These were, these were, you know, four pillars in a building. That's what I suggested to them. It sounds like they were pillars. And he's, oh, yes, they were, you know, we started the church together. We would uh, meet together uh, after, um, oftentimes after different meetings or different, uh, events and sort of process what was going on. we would pray together for the church. And there was a, a great sense of shared partnership in planting this church and, and growing it over the years. And also they were, they were all, all four of these couples were serving in different roles. So that was big, big loss of volunteer leaders. Yeah, there's just so many facets of loss in, in this for him. Loss of, of help and loss of, um, you know, working together, that partnership in the Lord and in Christ and the personal loss of the friendship, the attachment there. Loss for them as a couple. You know, these are couple friends mm-hmm. and they, yeah. they felt safe with them. There's always some limitations for a, a pastor couple as to how vulnerable they can be with people in the church. But uh, there was a, there was quite a bit of trust and mutuality and togetherness, and they you know did fun things together, and you know they'd still be would still be friends, but uh, to lose them from their church was a, a, a grief, and so well, and to be left with holding the responsibilities that they were helping carry too, as a lot of holes to plug. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we started asking some questions around the grief and uh, helping Aaron to see that he was repressing that sadness, uh, the uh, feelings of loss. He was trying to be positive. Mm-hmm. He was trying to be happy. Mm-hmm. He was trying to be strong. And all, pushing down all that emotion, which he was mostly doing unconsciously, mm-hmm. it was sucking a lot of energy from him. Yeah. A lot of times people don't realize that depression is repression. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we're depressed, it's because we've been repressing our grief. Yeah. There's ungrieved grief. Yeah. You know, we, we get to see that, Bill, because people come to meet with us and they come in kind of weighed down. Even we can see it manifest in their body. And then we we do this drawing out and helping them get in touch with what they're feeling and what's go- really going on and what they're defended against. Mm-hmm. And they leave just this sense of just straightened up and more, you know, full of, of life and usually smile and their eyes brighter. And I've experienced that. You know, I experience that as well when I meet with my spiritual director, when I meet with you, when I meet with a spiritual friend and I, you know, somebody I'm safe and able to Mm. really get in touch with and share my emotions. It's it's so helpful. 
It's the most underestimated need that we have to be really listened to and empathized with mm-hmm. by someone who has a, a tender heart that really tunes into us and tunes into the Lord at the same time. Yes. It's a huge need that we have to be understood and cared for so that we can release the, the different things that are stressing us, disappointing us. Mm-hmm. And in Aaron's and Maggie's case, they were really sad about and uh, they, weren't, they weren't looking at that. You know, we, we put words to, to this. You, you lost your servants, your, your, your pillars in the church, and you, you, you miss their, their partnership. You're, you're trying so hard to kind of have the right Christian response here and be uh, positive and encouraging that, you know, they, they left the church for good reason. It's not like they're upset at you or, or disappointed in the church. It has to do with the, this a new church is closer to their, their neighborhood for them to go to. But he needed permission to feel the sadness. Permission to grieve. And we knew that there was more to it than this. That's just had a, a intuition about that, that the, the depression, uh, this was the precipitating event, uh, the trigger. But as we often say, grief triggers grief. Mm-hmm. And so often when there is uh, an episode, a, a loss, uh, a hurt, a lot of times there's repressed losses underneath that Yes, that are part of what we're feeling in that situation. And we, and we don't realize it unless we reflect, maybe somebody asks questions to, to draw us out. So, well, and in this case too, we had met with them before and Maggie had shared with us before some issues in his family that mm-hmm. she'd been stressed and concerned about and really wanted him to get some, some counseling for yeah, so we went more into that area, and uh, his parents divorced when he was 25 years old after holding things together for many years. And, you know, the holidays are, are sad for him now. Yeah. They're in their early 30s uh, as a couple and really in the prime of life with their, with their kids, but the, things are different now mm-hmm. at, at holidays and different gatherings, and uh, it's really disappointing for him and stressful for him that his parents are not together, and now he has to negotiate that. Yeah. All the time. Uh, we were talking about that and helping him to share his feelings about that and, and her as well, uh, but could still feel, you know, there's more here. And so God, I'm talking about his childhood. And well, so what was their marriage like when you were young and how did that affect you? And uh, well, when he was a boy, they argued a lot. There's a lot of anger, a lot of conflict and, and didn't know how to repair those conflicts. And they certainly didn't talk to him about it. And so when his parents would fight, he was alone, uh, fearful, and insecure. And no one ever asked him how he felt. So not only did his parents not really make up, they just would kind of move on. Uh, but they didn't repair the trauma for him right. of experiencing those, those arguments and all the insecurity that that evoked in him. Mm-hmm. And so all that emotion that he had, all the insecurity and fear... And, and the, the sadness, he just repressed that and he was alone with that. And he just lived with that all, all his life and didn't really, really know that. Well, when his parents divorced, that, a lot of that surfaced. He, he tried to get through that, you know, went on. He was already a pastor by then. Well, then now there's a new loss that comes with these four uh, couples that they're close to and, and, and they're leaving. And church. grief triggers grief. Yeah. So as he's grieving, it, it triggers this other grief with his family of origin. It's really a big deal. You know, no one asked him how he felt. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we go through things uh, as children and we, we need to have someone pay attention to the impact our experiences have on us. And until somebody does that for us and helps us put words to experiences, we don't, we don't really know how to do that. We don't, we don't learn the language of emotion. We don't learn how to bring our, our inner person into a relationship to uh, be uh, cared for and supported. And it takes courage to do that. Yeah. So a lot of times uh, parents will be confused because they'll try to draw their kids out, but, but they maybe don't respond. And sometimes that's because they've already developed habits of repressing their emotions mm-hmm. because this hasn't been part of the family. Uh, some children just have a personality where they, they don't like to, they, they want to be in their heads or they want to be active and they don't want to feel pain. Uh, many factors that can go into this. So it can take a, a while for a child to warm up. Yeah. I know one of our children was always trying to help in this way, and it really wasn't until late high school that we had more more openness and mm-hmm. vulnerability and learning the language of, of emotions, learning to draw on the empathy that we could give. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're offering for Aaron and Maggie is offering that spiritual empathy. And so uh, as we got him talking about his childhood, that, that's where the grief really started to flow. And uh, we had him tell us some stories and recreate that experience. Uh, he began to cry mm-hmm. and then he began to sob. And uh, before long, you know, he was in my arms just, just weeping with the, the sadness over what for, for that, that little boy whose parents ended up divorcing and how alone he felt there. I'm so thankful that you were able to be comfortable with his grief and his expression of that and let him just be a little boy and that you were able to take on uh, being an ambassador of the Heavenly Father there for him, mediate healing. Well, that's really key what you're saying there about we were able to be comfortable with his sadness and to and to help his wife Maggie with that because she wasn't so comfortable right. with it. She's yeah. part of the reason why he's trying to be happy mm-hmm. all right. the time. There's mm-hmm. some collusion there that yeah. she she depends on his positivity and his cheerfulness to sort of keep herself up. And so we had to uh, help her stay emotionally present and, and, and listening because when, when, whenever, um, you know, you were listening, if you're in, in a, you've experienced a disappointment, a grief, uh, something else is stressful in your life and you have emotion about it and you want to talk to somebody about it, you, you can sense whether or not that person can go there. Mm-hmm. Whether they have the the interest, the energy, the, the capacity, uh, the warmth, the caring to really open up and stay with you, yeah. and you know if somebody's going to be giving you advice yeah. or, or, or judgment, if you need to shut down and hide, mm-hmm. and if they have a short attention span, or so there's lots of reasons why we might hold back, yes, and like you're saying, shut down those emotions. And so Aaron could see that, that we were emotionally present and we were comfortable with, okay with, had the uh, compassion to give for him to be in that place of, of grieving. Well, it was really a beautiful picture there of what God did. Well, because he just, the, the tears just kept flowing and we, we helped Maggie stay with that and not, not interrupt that with, with reassurance or changing the subject, you know, when she started to say something at one point, oh, hold that and just stayed there 
with Aaron and his emotions because that's how the the, the flow just started to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was entering deeper into his experience of the emotion, which you really need to do that with somebody. If you have a very uh, strong and uh, in tune faith and trust in the Lord, you can do that in prayer or journaling with, with God and it'll be a healing experience. But most of us need need a person uh, a God with skin on, imperfect as we all are, that that mediates that empathy mm-hmm. and helps us to experience God's grace there. And that, that was very much the case for Aaron because, you know, there's things inside us that are squelching and resisting our emotions and, and criticizing ourselves perhaps. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, as counselors, sort of hold that in, in check and help the person be be present emotionally. So he, he felt so comforted uh, by our empathy. We just became, uh, the four of us, a circle of love there. And I was really amazed at how he, he got to a place where he, he sat quietly and all of us with him for five minutes, which is a long time. Mm-hmm. And he, he was he was just there. I just was feeling as I was just watching him, I was like, wow, he's just like a, a, a child that's just mm-hmm. become uh, content. And he just had this peaceful look on his, on his face. And, and then uh, finally said to him, so, you know, what, what are you feeling, Aaron? He said, I've never felt so much peace. And so that was really a powerful healing moment there. We call that a, a corrective emotional experience because of the deep uh, repair and bonding that he experienced in that time, that's something that he now takes with him. It becomes part of his character, part of how he relates uh, to other people. Well, and honey, you, you, ha- you give him words to pray. You give him a breath prayer to pray, to help him in the midst of all the grief and emotion. Well, yeah, because I wanted to help him make the connection that uh, the Lord was with us in this caring for him. So after I, a while, as he had been, been grieving and was uh, sensing our, our empathy and compassion, I suggested he begin to just pray quietly, uh, Jesus embraces me in Abba's love. Jesus embraces me in Abba's love. And just to picture Jesus uh, with his tender and compassionate face and warm smile in the way he was with the children that we see in the Gospels. And so Aaron did this. I'm sure that was part of the peace that he yes. felt. The Lord yes. was ministering to yes, him. Yes, that's right. Not only through us, but now through through prayer and through the Word. And so as we finished up there, I had a scripture come to me from John 3 and uh, John the Baptist. And I said, you know, Aaron, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know, John the Baptist gave his four best disciples to Jesus. That was a big loss for him. Mm-hmm. And then later when... John was baptizing the Jordan River, and Jesus and his disciples came to the Jordan River. Uh, it was probably a time that Jesus was reconnecting with his experience of being baptized by John because Jesus was going through a tremendous trial at that time and uh, really struggling personally and needed to connect with God as his, his Abba. Many of the people now that were going to John the Baptist to be baptized instead went to, went to Jesus, yeah. actually, to his disciples. Yeah. And so the response of John the Baptist, Jesus must become greater I must become less. Mm. And see, after this experience, Aaron was in a place where he could hear that, not as like a a should or Mm -hmm. an expectation or something, but to hear it as an affirmation. Mm -hmm. As I told him, you know, the Lord is so pleased with you and how you, uh, the two of you, Aaron and Maggie, you have cared for these couples and 
and discipled them and developed them, and now you're helping to plant another mm-hmm. church. And mm-hmm. and like you said at the outset, you know this is good, but uh, as you are honest with, with us and with the Lord, uh, it's really great to see that it helps you to be at peace with yes. this and to recover your joy mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have to pretend to be happy right. by, by grieving. Uh, you come to an authentic joy, just like Psalm 126 says, this is what we need in our families and in all of our relationships as we go through uh, losses and disappointments. Uh, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. See, that's where we don't get joy by uh, trying to be happy. We get joy through authenticity and honesty and uh, relationships where we can be real and raw and we receive care and uh, through that process, even even the grieving process, as we receive comfort, we come to a place of joy that bubbles up from deep inside. Jesus, how grateful we are to you, the way that you care for the grieving parts of us, the emotions that we're repressing and that you are very aware of that and that you embrace us in Abba's love. I pray for each of our listeners, oh, that they would picture themselves coming to you with their vulnerable emotions, with the emotions that they're trying not to feel, that they're afraid to get in touch with, that they would let themselves as a child come to you, let you welcome them into Abba's arms of love to hold them in their grief, in their pain, in their anger, in their emotions, and to, to receive that unto yourself and to fill them with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a blessing to share Soul Talks with you and your friends. Also, we hope you'll visit soulshepherding.org and subscribe to our blog, which we send out by email each week. We would love to come speak at your church or have you join us at our Soul Shepherding Institute. It's our joy to foster your intimacy with Jesus, emotionally healthy relationships, and fruitful ministry.